before the music is quietening down a little bit there, which means it's time to start Scotch Session. I think we're up to number 18 technically, but we haven't mixed up uh, Rossi's, which is a bit disappointing. Pete, it's a special day today, isn't it? It is the legacy that is the Scotch Sessions. It's been through, uh, it's been through, it's been through two breakups. It has? In, or would, what would you define as the breakups being? Uh, partners. Oh, it has been through two um, breakups. Oh, oh, you and I haven't broken up, have we? I oh, know. I was going to go. Hang on. What breakups are you talking about? But yes, it has been two through through two breakups, which uh, is life, you know. And that's why Scotch and music helps us through it. Do you think that the Scotch sessions were responsible for those breakups? <laughs> <laughs> there's nah. a good there's a good chance that uh, my our independence was shown by persisting with this uh, obsession but it's a healthy obsession you know they've got to work around us Pete let's just face it well, it is a special one today I, I've been given the opportunity to uh, present 10 of my uh, personal favourites 10 of my uh, most influential tunes hard hard task very hard and how do you think you've gone pretty good pretty honest in what in what way are they honest do you, do you reckon um, well, my, my selection are all in chronological order, so they're from from the earliest tunes that probably I can remember through to experience, teenage years, yeah, twenties, and then thirties. And it's also uh, I should also mention that it's the last time we'll be doing the podcast at the Tamara, the Glamorama pad here, uh, overlooking the the water. We've, Sydney's turned on the weather for us too, which is good timing. But um, after this, you're off to uh, Scando and I'll be off to the States soon. So there could be some independent Scotch sessions going on over the uh, coming months. So Mm. do look out for it. Pete and I are are putting some things in the works. So what are we going to start off with, Pete? You've got two to to boot us off, no doubt. Yeah, I guess um, some tracks that I guess I I remember from early years, um, tracks that my parents played in the house. Uh, when I hear them, it reminds me of, of Christmas. Um, my parents had a couple of favourite CDs that they used to flog. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all of these tunes really, for me, are tunes that, you know, bring goosebumps uh, when I hear them. Or if I, if it, you know, if I'm listening to them on the radio and I go to the shopping centre and, you know, you park the car but the tune hasn't finished, I generally just sit in the car to listen to the, to tune. Listen to the end of the tune. So that's, that's what I'm coming from today. Alright, start us off with two. Let's get the nostalgia playing for the Pete life story of music. Attack ships on fire on shore of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near 10,000 feet. All those moments. Thank you. 
Sometimes when this place gets kind of empty Sound of their breath fades with the light I think about the loveless fascination Under the Milky Way tonight Lower the curtain down Lower the curtain down on right I got no time for private consultation Under the Milky Way tonight Wish I knew what you
two Aussie speckies there to start it off, Pete. So yeah. I'm guessing uh, Ice House Man of Colours. That's right. Self-titled off their uh, 87 go. album. 87. So grade uh, three for yourself? Yeah. I first heard that track in the rumpus room of Chris Green's. <laughs> what, was uh, Bevan uh, a fan? Uh, now, Chris got the Ice House. He got that album for his Chris birthday. Chris did? Yeah, and he was playing it. And I remember that we were making fun of the Electric Blue song by mm. chanting Electric Poo. Well, that would have been pretty much a straightforward thing to do when you were in grade three. But I heard that Man of Colours song. Um, reminds me of childhood. But uh, I think what's even more hilarious is that my current girlfriend wouldn't have even been born. <laughs> I don't know what that says more about you or more about <laughs> the times or what. Oh, I love Stacey. She is. She's, anyway, my she's my babe. She's your babe. Um, and then uh, followed up with another very, I would go say, to almost anthemic uh, Australian track. You know, that could, that could, that's almost an Australian anthem, really. Yes. I think most Australian days you'd hear that one being played in the pub. The church. Um, under yeah. Milky Way tonight, yeah. Alternative Rockers, that was off their 1988 album, Starfish. Um, and then they kind of, I don't know what happened to the church, they kind of disappeared off the scene. They, they actually were quite popular in the UK at the time. And they were big. They, I mean, if you get the best of the church album, it's pretty much every song on that is amazing. Um, I actually met uh, one of the guy's uh, daughters who does a bit of acting down here in Sydney recently as well. I think he's a bass player. And... Um, but yeah, they, they still tour, they still um, do regular gigs. So the church have been active, I would dare say, nigh on 30, 30 odd years now. Mm. Well, Starfish was their fifth album, so... Oh, they're prolific. They've got a, a ridiculous number of albums. Mm. So they were a favourite of my dad's. Right. Um, and he had that album. I actually got that on vinyl as well. I remember spotting it a couple of years ago in a, really? in a, a crate somewhere and paid two bucks for it or something. And so what else did your dad listen to outside of the church? What's interesting is that Martin actually introduced me to electronic music. Um, He spent a bit of time in the UK. He obviously uh, was exposed to um, bands like the Pet Shop Boys. Oh, the new the new wave bands. Yeah, and oh, every Christmas we just had the Pet Shop Boys on rotation. That discography, yeah. West End Girls, and yeah. Always on My Mind, and I can always remember him and Mum sort of drinking and grooving around to it. And uh, probably have to blame those two for my raving days, uh, which you'll hear a lot of coming up. You know, I'm sure in this. I'm set. sure we will. We're also we're doing a, a couple of different scotches today. We've got some. Uh, we're doing a bit of a. I would say a, a progression from milder ELA malts to to the hard stuff, aren't we? The so ELAs were always our favourite. Well, we do love the ELA. We love, love a smoky. And the Kilcoman is our first one up there. We got that spring 2011 release. Very nice. Very nice. Unfortunately, we've already finished it. So uh, it's time to move on to uh, to a stronger one. You're, you're thinking the Lafroig's the next one. Lafroig. Yeah. 18, yeah. Uh, I always thought the Arbegs and the Obans were always up at the top, weren't they? Well, Obans a little Lager bit milder than... Lager, Lager Lullenland? Lagavulin oh, is strong. I can blow your head off. Yeah, so um, we'll see. Maybe maybe we got it wrong. Maybe we should be going the Arbeg first, then Lefroy. But we'll see. I reckon Lefroy's pretty damn strong. 
on that note, let's have another couple. Um, let's continue the journey of Curtis. Yeah, so I mean, I'll give you a bit of a prep before we put them on. So I guess now moving out of uh, primary school um, into the teenage years, uh, doing a lot of athletics, a lot of sport, a lot of uh, pumped up kind of get physical. Oh, so, so you reckon that... The dynamism of the music changed a bit. A bit more, a bit more of a kinetic uh, feel to these next couple of tracks. Can you feel? You yeah. reckon we'll get that? I used to use music a lot when I played sport. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll see what you think. I'll be interested if you can. Uh, if did you, can you pick play me. via a ghetto blaster, or did you have a Walkman? I had a little Sony cassette deck that I used to listen to Barry Bissell's Top Forty, and <laughs> I used to wait for my favourite tunes, and I used to press record when they came on, and I used to make a mixtape. Uh, and then I used to get into bed and put my earphones on and listen to them, listen to my mixes. And this is at the age of, you know, ten or eleven. That was my. I first. didn't have the I didn't have the the, uh, the record button cassette tape. I only had like a hand voice recorder one. So I used to go to the TV, off rage, I used to sit in front of the speaker, <laughs> tell my sister to shut the hell up, while I was recording my songs on rage out of the speaker of the Thorn TV that was older than me. Wow. <laughs> So it was very lo-fi. <laughs> okay, let's let's uh, have another couple and let's hear the progression into a bit more dynamic style.
Yes, going into the 90s. Oh, I did sound 90s, Alternative, it? Alternative uh, rock period there, and that is, that is uh, Lightning Crashes by Live. That's right. Preceded right. by Burn by The Cure. So both, um, well, I think, that, I think The Cure there, that, that track probably uh, came out in the 80s, but you and I probably first heard it when the uh, Brandon Lee, The Crow uh, film came out in the mid-90s and I think you and I as teenagers, most teenagers saw that film as, uh, wow. It was just, a, it was it was really the Mad Max of our era, mm. right? Uh, everyone likes to talk about the modern Mad Max. Is it better than coming. Batman? For its time, it was better than Batman. I think so. I think, I think uh, it was darker. You know, there was a, because you were in the grunge period and people were sort of uh, frustrated with a range of different things and, and youth was a bit disconnected from from uh, you know from from the uh, the issues of the older generation baby boomers had, had, were starting to make money whereas you know younger people were just like oh you know there's a lot of crap that you know we're just hearing so they just got pretty angry about it yeah. and alternative rock just went nuts so I wanted to put on a few tunes that represented the type of CDs I was listening to at that time and um for me, living in Canberra, um, a bit of a grunge scene. I, you know, I listened to a lot of Nirvana, a lot of Pearl Jam. Yeah. Um, but live, when that CD came out... Um, Throwing Copper. It, it was just a, it was a great CD from front to end. And it reminds me of, um, you know, getting prettied up at uh, Craig's house downstairs. He used to have this little room with a pool table. It used to be... Craig having, Smith. Yeah, shots of, uh, of tequila. Um <laughs> Really pre-drinks pre-drinks yeah. you had to do the pre-drinks and do you know what we, we, we really thought we were pretty good back then <laughs> <laughs> the, to say. the live um, the thing that comes back to me with live is I remember I went to Alternative Nation which was a Triple M festival that only went for one year uh, went to Chandler QE2 um, place where they had like uh, events during the uh, Commonwealth Games originally I think and they had this amazing lineup and live I hadn't really heard much of live but live played the main stage there and I was I think I'd seen therapy with a question mark just before them and live all of a sudden this front four rows just became filled with females and it was interesting because it was an alternative rock band who you know, basically had a massive female following as big as the male following. So it was one of those ones that every, like pretty much every person who was around that age who was into, you know, in high school had that album. Throwing Copper must have sold, I reckon, seven, eight million copies. Yeah, no, it, was, uh, it was a huge one. The second one wasn't as um, successful, but it was still okay. But Secret Samadhi. But then they broke up, didn't they? No, they had a hiatus and they had, I think, Birds of Prey, P-R-A-Y. And they weren't very Christian. And I think that um, I think that pushed some of the fans away. But, yeah, they haven't... Ed Kowalczyk, the uh, front man, he's a very full-on character, uh, apparently. So he did have that iconic uh, haircut with just a little rat's tail at the back, didn't he, at the start, just yeah. with a shaved head, so... Interestingly enough, I'm looking here, it, um, it hit uh, number one on the US billboards, one yeah. in Canada, um, number one in New Zealand, number one in Australia, but it only reached 37 in the UK. Yeah, UK didn't play alternative rock. Mm. 
No, that was too much into too you much know blur and oasis and blur oasis even skunk and anzi probably rated higher than bloody live ridiculous well that were the teenage years we're going to move now more into the, the late teens uh, heading into college
That is one from the master, isn't it, Peter? Oh, very influential album for me. Um, you said it came out in 1997. So university. Yeah, they had a couple of singles. I think uh, Firestarter and came Breathe. Out and Breathe came out at the end of 96, I think. So then 97, the, everyone was waiting for the album, remember? Yeah. hanging for the album. Yeah. And then eventually it came out and probably sold a gazillion copies. And I still haven't probably heard an album like it. Oh, not as powerful yeah. in terms of uh, electronic, yeah. big bass. Oh. And that blurred crab on the front of the yeah, album yeah. cover. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so that was uh, Prodigy uh, Minefields. No. Acclimatize. Acclimatize. Almost a B-sider. Climber. Almost a B-sider. But equally as influential was um, that first track in that album, Fear of Black Planet, Public Enemy. I was wondering which uh, track it was. Mm. I knew I'd heard it before. Another B-sider. So I picked two sort of B-sider tracks that I liked uh, on both those albums. Yeah. Um, but a lot of high school years for me were Public Enemy and uh, Prodigy, Jilted Generation before um, Fatherland. It's interesting. The I was um, reading an interview. I was listening to a... Um, the J-Cast on, um, on uh, the Black Keys recently, and they were talking about how they basically were trying to sound, and they were listening mostly to rap. And uh, Liam Howlett says the same thing from The Prodigy. He was listening to lots of um, bouncy rap, yeah. and that's what you know, drove his, like, boom, 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 yeah. big, big bass lines. Well, both, both those albums, for me... Um got me interested in electronic music but also turntables um i was interested in what terminator x did with, with public enemy and his his sampling and his scratching um but then with with prodigy the the electronic kind of rave um progression synthesizer sounds yeah um so those two albums then i think you know helped me really attach myself to the next wave of music that came through and you'll you'll hear that the next uh, few tunes as we start going through my very dark university years. <laughs> I don't remember. Are we, are we, do you remember much of those years? Uh, I do. Are there actually? Are there, are there actually like solid weekends where you just like you're like, how am I functioning on Wednesday? <laughs> I was still able to uh, complete a, a degree. degree. I know you did at one of the finest universities in Sydney. Played a rugby game. Played one or two games. No. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the next two tunes. Now that you're here. Um, I think it's timeless as well in this electronic age. Um, I'd be interested to hear what you think of them and where you would place them because, um, again, these would be um, tunes that were released in the 90s. All right, I'm keen to hear these two tunes and we're having an RB squash. Someone's coming in the house.
Better get your fucking up there. Mate. Those two tunes were quite different from what you played previously, yeah. but well, we had a lovely ad there as well coming in from... Uh, <laughs> Pete's played a tune, a couple of tunes through YouTube today. We're getting ultra high tech, and that has to be a you know a very euphoric tune there. What yeah. when, what? Who was that? What was that? Um, that first release in 993. That's a long time ago. Um, so you're going backwards in time now. My God, are you Michael J. Fox? I started hearing it when I was like in university, um, but it was Cafe Del Mar Energy 52. So it was a a trance anthem that was named after the famous uh, bar in Ibiza. I was about to say. I know Cafe Del Mar. I've had all their album. We've had their albums, yeah, many times. But so what? They actually produce their own stuff under their own name. Um, I actually don't know if it's the cafe owners that produce those CDs or whether someone who's just got the licensing. I don't know. But they did. They were very successful. And I think the start of those CDs was actually a progression of when this first song was released. This first Cafe Del Mar Energy Fifty Two track. Nice. Very very up there track. All right, preceding? Uh, an anthem from, from, from Trainspotting. I remember seeing this first when I was at college um, and wondering, wow, I wonder what heroin must be like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can say that, but that's... Uh, yeah, you just have said that, actually. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I, for me, Trainspotting has a special place in my heart. Having been a, a leather of myself at one time, living in... Uh, that lovely part of Edinburgh that is home to train spotting and um, written very well by Irvine Welsh in a, in a book before it came the movie. And mm. Amazing, amazing film. And um, that track was Final Hit um, by Leftfield, yep. who was always a band that I was fascinated with because, again, a bit like Prodigy, I don't think any band has ever really mimic, like, mimicked their sound. No. Just got some eclectic cultural members of that band. Exactly. And then... So final hit was off Leftism, yeah. Is the album first? Uh, no, it was the one Rhythm off. Rhythm and Stealth. The one, yeah, no, yeah, the with the ninja, yeah, ninja. No, with the yeah, the uh, samurai. samurai. Yeah, Ninja. My God, that's yeah, the wrong one. I'm pretty sure it came off that album. Um, but yeah, two inspirational tunes from uh, my electronic years. All right, where are we going from here then, Pete? Uh, we're going to go into a bit. We're going to head into the clubs. Um, some club anthems. Um, so after, I guess, the... Are we, go, are we going to cross? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know about this. Well, I guess after those warehouse parties, those raves, um, clubbing moved into a new era of super clubs. So we had the emergence of Home and Gay Crasher um, and Cream. Um, so a lot of the tunes were more big room anthems, less, uh, less warehouse rave. Um, so these next two were a reflection of like, the best top two tunes of that time.
the surgeon.
where are you taking me? Oh, mate, these, these are the, the big progressive house tunes, the anthems, the big, uh, the big clubs. Um, I, really, I really started getting into vinyl. I started, I started buying a lot of, um, I guess, trance sort of stuff. But that last tune was Pole Folder, um, a Belgian guy. Uh, released that tune Apollo Vibes in 2002 but wow. it was his first tune John Digby put it on the Bedrock label and Bedrock for me still is probably the pioneering uh, music label like it's 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 still going and it was you know it was going in the late 90s and so was that started by Digweed? yeah John Digweed's uh, label um, and uh, it was really sort of stuck even through all the changes in music still maintains uh, its, its own sound Impressive. First tune um, before that was Narcotic Blue. Um, and uh, I went back to 1998. So I'm still a fair way back. But it was an opening tune on one of Sasha's classic Global Underground tunes, uh, CDs. Um, I think it was the one he did in San Francisco. And that was the opening tune. It's an impressive couple of tunes. I have to say, I'm not as familiar with the uh, the trans progressive scene and i haven't explored as much as i have in other areas obviously in music but wow after hearing those two it's uh that's amazing progression from the the previous couple yeah it's, it's very it's a, cres- it's a different kind of crescendo i'm wondering whether we come back down or we're getting into a bit of uh indies coming up you know i don't really know what's going on really <laughs> Where i'm, we I'm at? hoping we're at track for so- seven we're track- we? no that was six think two four six so we've got four to go and i think yeah there's a fair chunk of uh change kept going to happen on its way yeah so we're probably moving out of the clubs now and um into a period where i moved to the uk um and for me and hung around me hung around you Stuart, and you introduced me to a lot of good music you may be hearing some of that coming up we'll see all right we'll wait and see if you don't uh realize i actually have uh written down a few expectations of what I would hear from Pete's podcast because you're not going to friggin' announce my tracks before I fucking play them and then I'm like no I'm not going to do that one would be that rude but let's just do it at the end see how close I was obviously there are going to be some gaps in there but um, I think uh, it'll be interesting to hear
Terry. What are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, two of my favourites. Um, so moving to London, moving out of the big clubs and super clubs of uh, Sydney and the superstar DJs. Started going back to the um, edgier, rougher kind of indie type clubs in London. So Fabric Live was pumping. It was a, an institution. But it was a change in music because it was taking you from these progressive sounds and bringing in guitar riffs and raw drums. Um, so that was probably my favourite breaks artist, Adam Freeland. Um, but it wasn't just Freeland. It was also the environment that you were listening to him in. Like, Fabric was incredible. Brixton mm. Academy, top class. Yeah. Well, that tune was um, uh, Supernatural, and that was... Uh, a a B-sider off his first album. He moved to LA as a, as a British DJ and formed a band. And that was off his first album that he produced. Called Freeland. Yeah. Freeland, Freeland. I reckon one of the most underrated albums of all time. Like, just didn't... You're in the right, right place to make it mainstream, but to make a, a, a dance rock conversion band mainstream, maybe LA's not the right place. Maybe you need to be in London. Yeah, know. possibly. Uh, and unfin- oh, hang on. What am I talking about Unfinished Sympathy? We've already finished with that. We haven't spoken about it, Stuart. We haven't spoken about it? No. Oh my God, these scotches are strong. So that first uh, tune was Unfinished Symphony. I looked it up and that actually dates back to 1990. I certainly didn't listen to it in 1990, but that's nearly an 80s tune. Yeah, I remember Massive Attack. I found them um, through my Uncle Ian. He used to have the... Uncle sim- Ian? What are you doing? <laughs> Massive Attack? Uncle Ian was a breakfast... Ra- is, a, is was, is a breakfast radio guy in Brisbane. Was he? Ian Skippen. He's been, uh, he was number one for about 30, 30 years or some crazy thing like that. He was on radio for probably 40 odd years in total, just retired. Right. Um, but he used to have record companies throwing CDs at him the, the whole time. So there were lots of, so I'd go to his place and he'd give me a stack of CDs. Once he realised I was into music, he used to give me a stack of CDs like this. Wow. Like we're talking, you know, at least a, a one and a half uh, penis size there of an average male in Australia you can work that one out yourself um, so he's given me a, a large stack of CDs and they're all promos so I used to discover my bands that way and yeah one of those artists oh, you know we had some through that time that you know through the through the 90s in in the UK that just never made it here which is kind of weird and then there are also other artists that the CD would actually come out in the US probably about a year and a half before. The gap is not as big now, but it was back then. So you could hear an artist and be totally under the radar with your mate and go, oh my God, listen to this guy called Jeff Buckley, which I did. And my mate goes, who the hell's Jeff Buckley? And then a year later, you know, he's the biggest name in music. Well, that's your Unfinished Symphony was off um, Massive Attack's album Blue Lines. And for me, Massive Attack represents probably the U2 of... Of, of electronic music um, they used a lot of instruments and I saw them for the first time in London and I just it absolutely blew me away like two drummers and um, you know uh, a brass band and the, the full lot so when you listen to those CDs you actually realise there's a lot going on um, and they're still going still going and cancelled uh, their last Australian tour these guys what, was that did they cancel the Heligoland tour or was the one after Heligoland uh, the, the Opera House one year yeah. and then on the steps yeah, but then they haven't come back. It's too far for them. They're rich. 3D. Let's get some big money. Stuart, where are we going next, do you reckon? Where are we? Recap. I would say, okay, so we've we've covered the high school years, a bit of rock and whatnot. Then we've gone through some uh, trans-progressive. 
we've moved on to a bit of uh, UK. So we're going UK. What comes after Freeland is what Freeland exposed to you, which is the indie music. And I gave you a whole bunch of music one weekend while I was down in London. And you came back to me and you said, there are a couple of groups who I want you to give me whatever that was. And so I had to give you some uh, more albums. And I think you're going to play two of those artists. (laughs) That's a big call. All two? I don't know. It's hard because, you know, there are so many choices. You could change. You You could easily choose a third artist who was probably, in my view, not quite as good.
sudden had a, a massive impact on me. Mid-twenties, nasty. It was a very nasty album, and I thought, uh, the UK, like, it does get neglected in terms of the world of rock, but when I heard Kasabian, I was like, fucking hell, that was awesome. You know, like, I loved that album, that first album. I loved a lot of uh, good bands around that time. You know, there were there was so many good acts. For me, it demonstrated, like, as an Aussie moving to England, I realised through a lot of that sort of music that though we are very, like, brother and sister nations, we are, the, the psychology and the class system the personalities is very different that 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 brit nastiness oh there is there's also that that's like that kind of resolving nature of, that says to a a british male you know he goes it's not about the size of the dog and the fight kind of argument but he goes well it's what the man is willing to do that the other man is not willing to do and I'm logical like, and i'm like holy fuck <laughs> What are you guys talking about? And it's like, we're just catching the bus home. That guy just made a couple of comments, you know. I don't want to rip his ears off with my teeth. But if it came down But if you're it, willing to do that and they know that, then they're not going to, you know, disrespect your brother. Anyway, that was my experience. <laughs> and the first June Stewart was Slow Hands, Interpol, off their uh, debut album, Turn the Bright Lights. An album for me that... I put it in my top three as most influential albums. You reckon it's still most three? Because it just just switched me from the feeling of electronic music that I was listening to at the time into a... Immediately transferred into indie. indie. Yeah, I... Is that you? Is that you playing, Pete? But uh, is it my turn to answer your phone? Michael. Rossi, you're on the fucking podcast. You're hijacking the podcast. We're in the middle of a recording. Oh, my... God, is he outside? Well, we're not going anywhere, buddy. We're on the podcast. We can't go anywhere. We're in Pete's like uh, early twenties. You heading over? We're in Pete's early twenties. Okay. Are you coming along or not? We do, yeah. Oh my lord. We have to manage Pete's Cur- Peter Curtis's social life. That's Rossi actually on the phone because Pete only has like two friends. Right. It's me and Rossi. Joel's not yeah. really a friend. He makes too many Asian jokes. All right, we're back there. That's Rossi, obviously. Ah, oh, Rossi. Just to stop this recording completely. We're going to have to go to our next two tunes. All right, we'll go to our next two tunes and I'll try and work out what the hell's going on with Rossi. Is he going to arrive here or not? Thank you. 
So the last two songs were uh, we had that was an uncle mix there of uh, yeah. No One Knows by Queens of the Stone Age. Oh, Stuart, yeah, straight yeah, straight out. Uh, previous one was I can't remember. This Scotch is really strong. This is given to me by a Russian patient of mine. Ruvum, Ruvum. He's a very nice man. He used to box, um, and uh, it's probably why he's a patient of mine. He's been broken over the years. Lovely guy. Gave me a bottle of scotch as a thank you. So I have to drink it at the scotch sessions because that's what I do. Uncle and the Queens of the Stone Age. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, the collaboration they did on uh, War Stories. Um, James Lavelle must have caught his little plane over to LA and so Josh Holm, they went out to some sort of Arizona desert. Very similar to what you two did with Joshua Tree when they had all those they like... Did. Images. The um, Eagles but, did as well. But what, what James Lavelle did in LA is what all those breaks DJs like Adam Freeland and Hyper could Go not steal do. a bit of scene. Oh, got some decent indie fucking desert rock acts. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, the first tune uh, was a, a very ambient one, but very close to my heart. Um, always brings a bit of tears, that one. Uh, James Holden and Karen. Um, Mid 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 two thousands. Uh, I don't know how you would describe it. You probably don't even remember it. I do remember it was. I remember it was very uh, euphoric and and uh, synthesizer indulgence. I would have described it as synthesizer. So we've got a few more, Stuart, and we've gone over the ten. Um, oh, we have well I, gone I, over I, the ten. I have a few more to finish off the uh, journey. So we're hey, going to hit the longest podcast ever. I think at this point you got to stick with me. I will stick. I'm totally with you. It's hundred percent. There's no, there's no backing out right, now. Right, if you are still with us, enjoy.
two tunes from the, uh, uh, the Stuart, Stuart Cox uh, return to Australia period. Well, yeah, really. Uh, well, two, um, two influential tunes for you and I, Stuart. Uh, M83 Couleurs. Couleurs. Uh, remixed by about a million different types of people, but the original is still an absolute fucking classic. M83 were pioneers in the way of bringing back a bit of shoegaze, 80s influenced, you know, long drawn out synthesizer based. I get uh, very starey. Yeah. I get very starey when I hear that one. Uh, equally as influential on uh, M83 was Black Cab from Melbourne. Just, wow, I got into them. That was Rescue off uh, an earlier album. I think you've got all their stuff, haven't you? I don't recall. You love you love the darkness of Black Cab. I think <laughs> is it a reflect? I don't know. Look back at those tracks. Is it a reflection of my personality? Am I a dark person? I think you might be deep down. There might be a dark uh, previous soul that inhabited that uh, energy. You know. Do you, you think just, one of my ancestors may have been a in a previous life? A samurai. You, you may have been a. No, I don't know about samurai. I think you'd be more likely a bloody you know tyrant shogun. You know, <laughs> one of those guys just goes. Yes, let's just chop his head off. Well, we we have exceeded the top ten. Um, I do have one more tune to finish off on. Uh, but looking back, what are your feelings, Stuart? Well, before you finish with this last tune, I'll tell you what I was thinking. I was thinking you were going to play some drum and bass at some point. I thought you were going to play some LTJ Bookham or Ronnie Size. Got that wrong. Trance. I said Digweed, Nick Warren. Um, I think I got, we got we got one Digweed, didn't we? We didn't get a Nick Warren. Indie, I thought Interpol, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, and uh, Kasavian. Got two out of those. Electro, I thought we might hear some Underworld, some Prodigy, mm. Uncle. We got those two. Yep. Didn't get any New Order or HTRK. Oh, hard to fit it in, wasn't it? Like, I know. And then hard. rap, I had Public Enemy and B.I.G., but you didn't play B.I.G. Yeah. And I had Man Cry. And I had Couleurs. Yeah. Oh, you had Couleurs in there. Yeah, yeah. I thought you would. Uh, um, very hard to go past Underworld, but Lethfield pipped in there at the uh, at the, at the sticks. It's interesting. It's just their the, the margins in those decisions. Yeah. They, they just probably matter on, you know, what kind of uh, chili con carne I served you up earlier at lunch. <laughs> I'm going to finish with a tune um, that this genre of music and, and this sort of tune is what I go back to when I need to pick me up. All right. If I'm feeling who's, shit. Who's trying to pick you up? Oh, I've been trying to pick you up. A few. <laughs> Mail and female. Mate, Mail you're going to Copenhagen? You've got, a, you've got the brakes on there, buddy. You're not going anywhere. Well, if it's fucking cold there and I'm feeling miserable, this is the first tune that I would put on to get me up. All right.
The reason I went, I went back to that, and we're, we're way past the top ten. I know we are. I thought um, we would have had that earlier. That that they were my final two, and the reason why is that all, through all those genres that I've taken you through, drum and bass has been one genre that I've always stayed in touch with. I've always been listening to what's coming out. Oh, really? N- not getting overly excited, but knowing that the groove and the vibe of a drum and bass party is actually my favourite. Really? We got a hosted drum and bass party then. I think it could be on now. Maybe we should get Oprah on. I reckon the, she yeah. boogies out to drum and bass. And the reason why is that drum and bass has an underlying tone of, uh, uh, of black culture and funk. In, in this hectic electronic sort of beats and drum machines. Come back to the rhythm. There is an under... And, 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 and that's why I like drum and bass as a contrast because you've got this fast drum, uh, drum beats, but the underlying groove... Is a, is a, it's, a, it's like a heartbeat. It's almost like, it's a, yeah. it's almost like a hip-hop bom, black bom, beat. Bom. Stuart, a couple of things. Uh, there were some um, reflective tunes there. Very um, reflective. I was impressed. I, you know, I knew I was going to go on a journey. It's, it's amazing how much you forget. You know, like you remember obviously certain things heavier in your time as a listener to music than I do. And it's quite interesting to listen to those differences and you go, oh my God, I forgot about that little period. Yeah. It could be just a couple of months in a year. Very important period to me. And uh, you and I are both taking the next leap in life. And I just want you to know that um, wherever you go uh, in the world, I love you and you're my brother. Mate. Indeed, cheers to that, and uh, we're going to do some solo podcasts, and then I'll, I'll probably see if we can hook up for one in uh, Copenhagen. I'll uh, never know, I could end up marrying a, uh, a Helga, Inga, or... Uh, that would be, be a dangerous night. You know, you never know what's going to happen when you go over to Copenhagen. Well, yeah. I hope you've listened through that, and um, if you've been with us, thank you. And we're out. We are out. And join us again for another Scotch session. And hopefully uh, it'll be uh, interesting when it's one of the two of us. It could be Peter doing a session or it could be Stuart doing a session. So get used to us not being quite as connected and quite as blind on Scotch.